You're listening to the second episode of the Sovereign Sessions. Welcome to the Sovereign Sessions. I am your host, Kathleen Sylvia Salens, and I'm so happy that you're here. I initiate women on a priestess path and I teach wealth consciousness, business and leadership from that sacred lensing. Today I want to talk about seven practices for transmuting grief. What I've observed in the past couple of weeks is that all of us are working through so much grief at the moment. There's the grief for our normal lives falling away and we're grieving the absence and the loss of certain things that we don't even know if they'll ever come back, if they'll ever be a part of our normal lives again. And there's also so much grief just on a collective level that we're currently experiencing and working through. So this conversation is important because we are learning how to be with grief and we are learning how to reinstate grief in our society's fabric of being. So when we look at this from a more Um, broader perspective, a cultural, societal perspective, grief has been pushed down into the shadows because we have this belief that if we cannot see it, if we do not acknowledge it, it is not there. And so the only place where grief can be acknowledged and explored safely is within the context of the arts, like paintings and sculptures song lyrics, melodies, and especially everything that we see on screen and the things that we explore on stages, so in theatre. And it is that imagery of the two masks, the two faces, from the ancient Greek theatre. One is happy and one is sad, but the sad face is not something that we can allow the public to see. It's okay when it's in the context of a story, a narrative, something that is not real. But when it comes to our individual lives, then the sad face, the grief, it really is something that we are not encouraged to show. It has almost, in fact, become unacceptable. And you cannot bring your grief or your sadness anywhere except for your own bedroom, really behind the privacy of closed doors. And then even there, we have adopted this message that it is best to stuff it down, to really move on as if nothing is happening, as if you have risen above the pain of life and you can march onwards um, valiantly throughout life. And it's really that mask of the brave face. 
And so we do not know as a society or as individuals how to be with grief. And we do not know how to express it to ourselves and we do not know how to express it to each other. So this is actually what this episode is about. It's about grief. It's about acknowledging that all of us are currently really working with the medicine of grief, working through grief, and also just learning how to offer comfort to ourselves first. So we don't know how to offer comfort. We don't know how to ask for it. And those are two things that we'll explore in today's episode with some of the practices um, that I'm going to share with you. But so in today's episode we're exploring grief and it starts with a conversation about the reclaiming of our knowing of how to be with our grief. And then in the second part of this episode um, I want to be sharing with you seven practices that you can lean into day by day by day to hold space for your own grief, okay? Because right now, um, what we all need to learn is really, both individually and as a collective, how to transmute grief, okay? It's an alchemical process that that takes place as we work through it with our emotions, and it's something that that we've just not really been taught in this society and this culture and that we're needing right now it's like a very intense lesson of how to be with grief and how to move through grief and how to really um, use that process of emotional alchemy to come out the other side in what I would like to describe as a, a space and a state of being where things feel like like this freshness um, in imagery to me this would look like when you're walking in a dark forest and there's lots of winding paths and you don't really know um, you're despairing of ever finding a path that is going to take you out into the clearing and then suddenly you come out into that clearing and that has a freshness and this feeling of and a sense of a new start the same is true for our um, alchemical processes when it comes to working with our emotions. Before we dive into the practices of holding ourselves through our grief and releasing into a space where the grief is less intense and has moved and cleared from our bodies, I actually want to specifically speak to those of you who are currently walking the priestess path or who are walking a path of heart-centered entrepreneurship. Because this is a key practice on your path, okay? So you will have to know how to be with your own grief before you can really start to hold space for other people on their journeys. And we, we need to be able to know how to anchor ourselves in our own centre and also how to lean into our own practices, the practices that make you feel really solid in walking your own path whilst storms are raging and that can be a storm on a collective level or it can be just a storm in your personal life or a a storm that is happening for the person you are coaching or working with. So 
It's incredibly important that you know how to deeply anchor into practices for emotional alchemy. And right now, it is especially grief, the emotion of grief that can really get to us. And we have to just continue, continuously allow it to move through our bodies, allow ourselves to be able to hold space for our own grief and for that of the collective without it really uh, knocking us out okay to me in my own practice um it's really based on this idea of emotional alchemy and so for me the body and our physical experience is really central to our divinity it's the vessel through which we bring through and anchor like so much light and i have found that there is so much ancient knowledge that is welling up from within our very blood and bones right now that is teaching us to alchemize and transmute through the body in a very empowered way and I've also noticed in my own practice that the velocity, the speed with which we can loop things through is amplifying. So it's a loop that comes into, from the collective, it, it kind of loops into our bodies and then we can spin it out quite rapidly, quite fast without it affecting our emotional or physical body in a huge way. I think for us this is the process that we're currently uh, walking through, that we're currently learning. It's like this necessary skill that we need to master before we can really hold like masterful, masterful space for ourselves and for our clients. It's um, this looping through of a lot of intensity, emotional intensity, and at the same time being aware of it and detached from it um, so that it loops through us but we don't really take it on as our own we don't let it kind of anchor itself within our emotional bodies we don't let it fester we just we're aware of what is coming in and we are becoming really skilled in letting it loop through us and out back into the collective but it's been transmuted and it's been infused with so much light that there is like a disruption that is happening from within the old patterns and the stored kind of pockets of shadow energy so the way that i would see this is um if you've ever seen these beautiful pieces of artwork where gold is used to repair cracks in pottery that is kind of what it feels like it's like there's a lot of like shadow stuff that is coming in and at the same time we send it back out and that is like a filament of light that is really anchored into the collective field and so um, it's just an alchemical transmutation that we're uh, allowing to happen with the the guidance i would say of our wider selves okay and what we're learning at this time is simply how to not be affected by that ourselves it is really time to start bringing emotional alchemy into your conscious awareness meaning that you can start to more actively work with it and in a way, what we're learning is to become very attuned to what is happening. 
and to when you are taking things on as your personal stuff when it's really not. We're here really transmuting things through our light bodies and in a way we're still learning how to do that. We're constantly still being affected by things that are in the collective and in our ancestral lineages. I feel like what is coming into our physical and emotional bodies right now are the imprints in the collective field. And as we ourselves become more highly attuned to this transmutation happening, we start to first become more skilled at having things transmute without it affecting us physically or emotionally. So it really truly happens only at the level of our light bodies. And then secondly, when it does come through, which it currently still does for many of us, um, to really see it as an invitation, as a part of our learning curve, and as a necessary skill that we are currently restoring. We are restoring our individual and collective knowing of how to be with grief, how to move through grief, and how to alchemize it in our physical and emotional bodies, but then most importantly, to become very masterful, very skilled, very highly attuned to how we can do that transmutation process in our light, light bodies without actually it affecting us in any other way. So that we don't get affected by it emotionally or physically or energetically. If you feel called to dive into this more deeply, to really step into a mastery of all of these transmutation skills, of taking what lies at the core of your medicine and gifts that you bring to the world, and how to become very skillful in navigating this world with and through your light body, and then to use that to really amplify the light in the world. I actually am taking applications right now for my six-month uh, mastery program. So if that speaks to you, do reach out to me. There is an application process because I only take on people who are really ready to step into this depth of work. But at the same time, it is incredibly uh, beautiful and rewarding. The energy and space that you will learn to hold as you move through the journeys and the gateways and the initiations. So the application link will be uh, below this episode. So at the moment, we're actually all working through so much individual and collective grief. And to me, it feels like an almost necessary invitation, as if this is now a part of our learning curve into restoring our individual and collective knowing of how to be with grief and how to move through grief and how to alchemize grief in our physical and emotional bodies. So especially if you're walking the path of the priestess or, or if you're stepping into the path of the unknown, the entrepreneurial exploration of what it looks like to do your heart's work and be financially compensated for that, you will actually come face to face many times with your own grief. So for many of us, there are wounds of rejection that we need to work through 
before we can be fully seen and witnessed in our work, this work that means so much to us, that is pouring forth from the very depths of our souls. And linked to that, I have witnessed so much grief that rises up for my clients to work through. And it's, it's definitely happened for me as well. So let's take a deep breath together. And then I really want to explore this. It feels really important to speak these things out loud and to use our throat chakra to really speak out our grief. And if you'd rather not do that right now, um, I'll add a timestamp in the show notes to where we start actually speaking about the practices, okay? So let's take a deep breath together. So when we look at our wounding, there is so much wounding that we carry that is not specifically linked to this specific moment in time where all of us are really dealing with the effects of a global pandemic. So we have wounding, okay? We have wounding that has to do with all of the times that we did not speak our truth, but we actually crammed the words back down into our throats. And we, I think you know this, sometimes when we do this, when we refuse to speak our truth, what happens is we suffocate on those words that have gone unspoken. We suffocate on the, tr- on the truth of who we are and what we came to express, okay? And so there's grief also for opportunities that we've missed and for the opportunities that our ancestors never had. And there's grief for those who perished in the flames of persecution, both before and also now, because this is part of the collective trauma that we are working through. Um, Part of that is that so many people who step up and want to speak to a different way of doing things Many of of them are really being put on pedestals only to be brutally attacked when they show too much of their own human frailty and speak to their journey of imperfection, okay? So there's like this sea of haters and these projections that you can energetically just feel being put upon you, but also that just really feel like you're being put in the flames of persecution in a way and so there's a lot of of grieving and wounding and trauma still that we carry around that around being seen around being different from what is the norm there's also so much grief that I witnessed about the misuse of power and you know this is often the biggest shock of all for the people that I work with is that sometimes we start to realize that we ourselves have actually been misusing our privilege and power. Um, sometimes it's just been memories of past lifetimes, but sometimes it's also our own past, like the career that you had in corporate or the way that you behaved in, in school. Like there's so many things that come up for us where we realize that we ourselves have been less than impeccable with our word, um, less than impeccable in our integrity. 
and where we have been causing harm. And so there's a lot of grief that we are still carrying within us that really needs to be, again, we need to hold ourselves through that and we need to find ways to move that out from just our physical bodies and emotional bodies. There's the grief of of the times when we stood by silently or where we allowed abuse out of the fear of speaking up or we we ended up not speaking our truth because we were afraid of being hurt you know sometimes it we kind of felt like it was better to not shine too brightly or, or show up too powerfully in certain relationships because there was abuse and we instinctively knew that if we were to go against that if we were to go back to standing in our power we would actually end up risking ourselves and our safety even more and so there's a lot of grief that we that we carry around that then there's also just the grief for the state of the world like there's just there's so much grief Okay, so much grief that we are carrying at the moment. And there's also a grieving because we don't know how to grieve. So moving into seven practices for holding yourself through your grief and practices that can also help you transmute your grief into release. Okay. So the first practice that I want to talk about is the practice of lament. Now, it's a practice that actually feels especially relevant right now. Um, It's as if there's so much grief that just runs through our bodies at the moment and we just need to wail it out, okay? So that is wail written as W-A-I-L. So wailing is this very vocal expression of intense grief and you know as with so many more feminine practices this has been shunned in our society. It's often portrayed in our culture as a sign of a woman gone mad with her grief, such as Lady Macbeth in in Shakespeare. Or it's seen as a sign of hysteria, so female weakness, okay? It really is seen as grief should be silent, and if, as a woman especially, if you start to vocally express just the intensity and the depth of your grief, then you're being labelled as hysterical, unstable and people get triggered so much by that because it really pushes them against their own belief systems of, of, of what is acceptable, you know. And so the practice of lament is actually ancient and it's a very healing practice when once you can get beyond your own cultural hang-ups around this. So on a personal note, I know that there may be a lot of resistance within your body to actually doing this. So one of the things that I've chosen to do with Lament is that, um, especially now where I am in lockdown with my family, I will choose to do my Lament, my practice of Lament, in a way that is more subdued. And so how it works for me right now is I will actually go to my bedroom, I will close the door and I will make sure that uh, most of the sound is um, lessened 
or muffled by a pillow, okay? Because I know that because I've experienced how triggering the practice of lament can be when you witness it in someone else, I don't want to unnecessarily uh, jolt or trigger the nervous system of the people that I'm sharing my house with at the moment, okay? I don't want to unnecessarily um, jolt the nervous system of my family. But so lament is a practice that I choose to do regularly because I've also experienced just how incredibly healthy a way it is of expressing grief. Because it's actually a very body-based practice, we, we use the body and we open up our throats and we wail our griefs to the sky okay and so it's it's a very intense purging but at the same time I believe it's a necessary thing for our nervous systems because otherwise um, we're like trying to process things mentally but at the same time we're keeping our sadness and our grief really locked into our bodies we lock it down and it just builds and builds and builds. And for me, for instance, I know that my practice of lament is necessary when I feel grief lock up my throat. And when I start to feel like a clenching in my jaw, that is when I know that I've waited like too long to really vocally express my grief. And that my practice of lament is going to be what allows that to really express out and be released from within my body and my nervous system. So the second practice that I want to share with you today is the practice of speaking our pain. So again, I mean, we are so used to keeping things down, okay? So never acknowledging never even to ourselves we we don't want to admit or acknowledge what grief feels like okay we don't want to look at the grief that we hold in our bodies so for this practice you actually go sit somewhere where <clears throat> you're by yourself now when you get more used to this practice it's actually incredibly powerful also to do this with a person that you want to share this practice with um, but at first it's it will feel more safe for your own body to do it somewhere by yourself so once you're in this space that feels safe you actually start to speak out loud and you start to speak your grief so I'm just going to walk you through an example of what that could look like, okay? So again, this may be somewhat triggering for you, this may be somewhat intense for you, um, and I would really invite you to breathe through this as you listen, okay? So, today I feel grief for the state of the world. Today I feel grief for the lives lost. Today I feel grief for the tiny nest of birds who didn't survive the night's frost. Today I feel grief for my own broken heart. So speaking our grief is actually a gateway into a release. And sometimes, you know, this will be messy, like a messy type of release with a lot of tears. Sometimes it's more like a calmness that settles over our mental spaces. And sometimes it will feel like an emotional catharsis 
but just with the words flowing, okay? And it's important to really let your words flow once you start speaking. Um, It's not a mental exercise of making a list, it's really just speaking your grief. And then once you start speaking, you really allow whatever words want to be spoken to flow. So the third practice today is the practice of asking for what you need. Now again, we don't really know how to ask for what we need, okay? And especially with grief, we tend to carry such shame and guilt about even needing to grieve that we would rather not let people know. So here are some empowered ways for asking for what you need. So first, with the person you would like to ask for support, reach out to them and tell them that you are moving through something intense and you're asking them if they're willing and capable at this time to hold space for your process. So this is important because sometimes people, they really, really love you and they they are willing, but maybe you just don't have that emotional capacity at the moment to do it, okay? And so give them that opportunity, give them that possibility to say like, well, you know, right now it doesn't work for me. And then tell them, this is what my process will look like. So for instance, I will phone you um, three or four times today and I'm going to phone you and I just want to share something that I'm going through, that I'm working through at that moment. And I don't need you to do anything. I don't need you to come to my aid. I don't need you to problem solve. I just need you to be there on the other side of the telephone line. And I need you to witness me as I move through my process. And so also let them know how they can proceed if they find it too hard. Always also give them a very clear way to step out of the space holding if they need to. And then also let them know when and where you think you'll be able to meet them in their desire to offer you more than just a witnessing, okay? I'm sure you've experienced this yourself. If you've ever held space for someone and witnessed them in their grief or their rage or their sorrow or their fear, sometimes you just know that there's something that you can share with them that could really support them so always also give the other person that opportunity tell them when you will be available for the help and support they might feel inspired to offer the fourth practice that we are discussing today is the practice of art for grieving so sometimes that can look like angry scratches on paper And sometimes you want to pour your grief out onto the paper, either in the form of words or in bold paint colours. Sometimes it's poetry, sometimes it's songs, and sometimes you'll want to go outside and collect leaves and sticks and dead flowers and paint your grief on the ground as an offering to Mother Earth. And so just allow it, you know, with this practice, 
When you feel called to any of these, just go where you are guided in the expression of your grief. Practice number five is the practice of dancing lament. So going back to lament, a really powerful ancient priestess practice that feels deeply natural and healing to me is the practice of dancing lament. So dancing is a part of my practice in so many ways, but when it comes to grief, um, I absolutely love to put on music that speaks of mystery and sadness and loss and to let my body dance its way through the intensity of the grief I am feeling. So in normal circumstances, um, a lot of, of the grief that I tune into isn't mine, it's just a clearing of ancestral and collective patterns and so it's usually not very intense, okay? I don't need to go to a practice of wailing and lament but I do want to move it through my body so that's when I usually choose to put on some music and dance to it and I feel my body release through movement all of that sadness and that grief that I have been feeling. So the next practice, this is number six, it's the practice of speaking self-holding. So if you've watched the third episode of the lockdown sessions on my Instagram, you will have heard me speak to this, okay? So sometimes we need to feel ourselves being held physically and sometimes there is no one we can ask this of but ourselves. So here is how this practice goes. You put your hand on your heart and you really feel into that space, okay? So there is a peacefulness that comes over us when we put our own hands lovingly on our bodies, just holding our hearts, okay? So let's just do that together. So putting our hands just over our hearts, and just really feeling into that space. Feeling how calm we start to feel. And just doing a bit of breathing like this. Now, when I use this practice, I will also often speak words into that space of my body. So for instance, for my heart, I'll usually start to repeat words over and over like a mantra, okay? And the words that I really just naturally always use are these. I am here. I'm here. I'm here. And then another space that feels really good to hold is just putting our hands on our back, just above our tailbone. And it's especially soothing if you have quite a firm pressure in that, that area. So really pushing your hands into your back. And sometimes that pressure is enough. And sometimes you'll want to also speak words into that area. 
And it's an area that is deeply linked to our root chakra. So any words that speak to safety, to being held and supported, will be ex- especially like effective. And my words usually are, I'm safe. I'm here. I'm safe. Okay, and so now we've come to the last practice um, that I want to share with you today, which is the seventh practice, the practice of breath. Now, my family members know this. There are days when I'll walk around the house and I'll be um, folding laundry or just picking up some, some things and I'll just constantly be breathing. Like the type of breathing that you do um, as a woman in labor. So it's this like almost puffing kind of breath, okay? And so sometimes grief is coursing through my body so intensely that I'm constantly needing to anchor and hold myself through my breath and to let my body know it's okay. So when I do that type of breathing, it's like I'm just really signaling to my nervous system that we can move through this. It feels intense, but we can move through this. And so this type of breath really helps lessen the intensity until eventually it comes back to a more manageable level. So the intensity lessens and I kind of arrive in a space where things just feel okay and I can use one of the other practices maybe to just really soothe my nervous system and self-regulate fully so really bring myself and my nervous system and and my body back into uh, what I would say like optimal circumstances where there's no grief or no sadness or no rage still being held Uh, either in my physical body, my emotional body, or my mental or energetic body. So with all of these practices, it's important to understand aftercare. It's an emotional purging, it's a physical release that can also bring a lot of fatigue. So generally, what you'll need in terms of aftercare is gentle stretching, lots of water, and also um, like extra sleep to really support your physical body to fully heal. But always listen to your own body and to what it needs when you've done one of these practices. So that was quite a lot to share, but um, it feels really needed. And I will also in the show notes um, add some extra links to grief and death doula work because that may be supportive for some of you listening as well. So I would absolutely love to hear from you how you manage your own grief at the moment, which practices you have been exploring in terms of holding yourself through your grief. And in closing, I want to leave you with this blessing. May you be well. May you be whole. May you be held. And may you be safe. Speak again soon.